Well, so my daughter Sophia is two, and if she says the F word right now, then she probably heard it from mom, right? Uh, totally not me. My question is, how should we think about our language and our use of words with reference to our spiritual development? Well, I think it's just a problem boomers need to get over in general. Like, is my mom right? There's something more that God wants to transform and do deeper in me, and there is a surrendering that I have not allowed to happen. Can or should Christians cuss? Good, clever, laugh, leave a like. What up, family? Welcome to Kingdom Thinking. This is your host, Hansel, with my co-host, Josh. What's up? How you doing today, Josh? Great, man. I got a question for you. I've got an answer. All right. Tell me about a time in your childhood that you got in trouble for saying a bad word. I was 10 years old, playing basketball with my older brother, who was 16. Uh, We were going pretty hard in the paint. Uh, I was a solid (laughs) four foot six, 82 pounds, maybe, soaking wet. And I went up for a shot, and he bodied me pretty hard. And we were playing on some like loose gravel and I got a massive uh, like road rash kind of cut <laughs> down my hip. Uh, and I let out the loudest F word on a community church property that we just happened to be playing on. Uh, and my mom pulled me aside and said, this is your one free pass. Uh, I don't care if your arm is being cut off. I don't ever want to hear you use that language again. Is this true? Is yeah, this, this is a real story. story. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating. So there's a lot there. One, I think, is the context mm-hmm. in which you said it. One is, second would be the word itself. Sure. And then third, I think, would be the the prescriptive or the teaching moment mm-hmm. about how language itself works. Yep. That's, that's fascinating to me. So today, I actually want to address this issue. Can or should... Christians cuss. Yep. Is there ever an appropriate situation or moment where it would be permissible or even beneficial mm-hmm. for Christians to use um, colorful language? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah, today. that sounds good. Yeah, this is actually a topic that people bring up a lot, right? And uh, so this is one thing that happens to us when we go play golf. Uh, <laughs> when, when people ask us, uh, we get paired with random people or whatever, yeah. and so we'll go play and we'll hang out. And invariably, somebody that we're playing with will hit a bad shot. Neither you nor myself, we don't hit bad shots. But somebody that we're playing with will hit a bad shot, and they'll drop some F-bomb, or they'll say something you know, that will make them upset. And then invariably, when you're a few holes in, somebody will ask you, what do we do for a living? So we tell them, and then it's all of a sudden the demeanor changes, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry for swearing, mm. or it gets kind of super awkward. And right. so I have gotten that. There is something inherent in this conversation that people feel like there is a set of behaviors that they're supposed to adopt, or there is some type of understanding that they're supposed to maintain, at least when they're around Christians, okay. right? And so it, it strikes me as weird because it's all contextually dependent, right? Like there was a time when words that aren't bad now were definitely bad. Words that we have now didn't exist then that are bad. And so mm-hmm. you at least at the on some level see a shifting of societal expectations and what is considered okay and what is considered not okay. True. Good, good, good. And and that's really important because that's both for non-Christians and how non-Christians see that societal kind of tug and pull yep. of values, but also for Christians yeah, absolutely. And, and how Christians are going to interact with that. So if somebody says a word on TV for a show, does that make it okay for me to say mm-hmm. it or not? Um, or even how Christians appeal to the Bible for a consistent norm. Yeah. And... I mean, I kind of want to point out and say it's not that simple. Right. 
Um, so let's let's dive into it a little bit. First, I want to set the foundation for, okay, what does the Bible actually say about words yeah. and bad words in particular? And then let's move into how that actually gets applied in a not so neat way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So we have uh, this, there's a great article on evidenceunseen.com that really does a good job of collecting some of the examples that we talk about in scripture, right, that we see. Uh, and one of the first things that people often kind of point to is Paul using the terms like scum and refuse. Yeah. Uh, and so in the original Greek, these words are super profane, right? Craig Blomberg, uh, who's a you know, pretty well-respected scholar, writes mm-hmm. that the words translated here as scum and refuse are fairly vulgar in their original Greek, and their closest English equivalents would be uh, would offend so many people that modern translations use euphemistic language yeah. uh, instead, right? right? And so we are immediately presented with one of like these first uh, examples where hey, there's actually some cursing here. Huh. There are things that would be offensive to people, right? Maybe yeah. like the S word for Correct. us or you know, stuff in that variety. Exactly. And so at the very least, Paul may not be cursing at someone, calling them a piece of, you know, whatever, right. but he's using the terminology. Correct. And so we have to ask ourselves or at least understand. What, what does that mean? Yeah, it's not super clean cut. It's not very black and white. That's interesting. So what do you actually make of that? To me, I think it's really appropriate for the metaphor that he's trying Mm. to create, right? And so, uh, you know, when he goes on uh, in other uh, parts to talk about the idea that he wished people would, like, castrate themselves, right, in Galatians, uh, (laughs) instead of just, like, circumcision. Right, right? just cut through. Yeah, cutting through the entire penis. That's a huge deal. And so, to me, I think what's appropriate is largely the contextual meriting of the conversation. And so what, what I mean by that is, when a situation is incredibly intense, like what Paul is dealing with, you know, with the people who are trying to put such an unnecessary burden on followers of Jesus uh, to make them like true followers, quote unquote, for that to cause Paul to be in such a ferocious kind of responsive manner, I think it fits that context because there's so much legalism that's happening for these people, making it harder for them to live out their walks with Jesus, right? There's literally being stumbling blocks that are being put yeah. in their way. And so the context kind of merits the response to me. And I think that oftentimes you'll see ought to be at least a leader in the conversation or at least a big part of that groundwork that we lay. That's huge. Yeah. Context is a big one. Similarly, you might say that in that metaphor that he's using, I I believe it's in Corinthians, um, we are the the scum of the earth. Uh, It's the point is that there's a big contrast between the state of affairs, the current condition of humanity and what humanity can be Mm -hmm. in in the eyes of God. And so it empowers, it strengthens the the message there. So, I mean, that's an interesting take. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never heard from the pulpit, even the acknowledgement of of that word. Uh, Like you said, I think a lot of times we sugarcoat it. Yeah. Um, in our translations. So I, I, that's an interesting conversation to have, right? Um, is it ever fitting or beneficial to respond in such a powerful way to make a point? Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, the idea of dirty language is not something that you really find scripture shying away from either in the Mm. Hebrew Bible with like Ehud, right? The left-handed man and kind of the scatology story that gets associated that with King Agnon, who's like, uh, he's taking the dump, yeah, and then he gets stabbed to death, right? And yeah, and then, just he, think, and then he like just excretes all of his bowels, right? right? And they just are making, <laughs> you know, his guards are making fun of him, yeah, right? And so like you hear, you know, there's a joke in there around poop, certainly, yeah. And then Paul talks about the idea of his former life in Philippians three, 
being rubbish, uh, mm. right? The Greek word there is is skubalon, which again could be an equivalent yeah, for of the S word. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and, and so and he compares that to the knowledge of knowing Christ. Correct. And so it's like there's this massive dichotomy that Paul is well, painting. It's poetic. Here. Yeah, and it's intentional and it's inflammatory rhetoric there because it's such an important point that he's trying to make. Interesting. I mean, this is all fascinating because I think this really kind of goes against the grain yeah. of most of the way most evangelicals mm-hmm. think about language. Mm-hmm. The way that uh, my experience in growing up or in, in my church, etc., is we take some principles of scripture regarding language, which we're going to continue to outline here, mm-hmm. regarding words and the power of words and we take these as a clear cut and almost like pretty absolute boundaries for what should and should not be said at all times. Right, right, right. So some of these are, um, it's not uh, when Jesus speaks in the gospels. Yep. um, Concerning uh, the food laws and what should you, shouldn't you eat? Yeah. And all these things that at that time were kind of getting trivialized and people were missing the point. Right. And so Jesus says, it's not actually what goes, what you consume, mm-hmm. that's going to be the defining characteristics of who you are. It's what comes out of your heart, what yeah. comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that, I mean, that's powerful, right? Or just even, uh, Paul, is it in Ephesians? Don't let a corrupt word come out of your yeah. mouth. Ephesians um, 4.29. Okay. Out of every cor- corrupt word that comes out of your mouth, you're going to be accountable for mm-hmm. it. Like, these seem pretty clear cut. These are the ones that, I mean, it's so funny. I was talking to my mom on my way here and i'm like oh mom we're gonna talk about like cussing and she's like oh well well we already know from scripture cussing's bad you should never say any of these words and it's so clear cut right mm-hmm. and so what i want to do is i want to have a discussion about how not only is it not that neat but there's so much nuance in that yeah um and this is by no means an apologetic or a defense for dirty language Being right able to swear. but Certainly. i think it's actually important to think about the contextual and social um, life of words. So what else have you heard in terms of like the scriptural bases for, nope, it's pretty clear cut. Just don't say bad things. Yeah. I think the big thing, right. People will point to, uh, is the Ephesians four twenty nine passage yeah. and then the James three passage, right? Okay. The idea that the tongue is a small mm. little thing, but has the, is on, is set on fire by the flames of hell. Right. And automatically, when you think of flames of hell, you think of bad thing, and then you think saying the F word is a bad thing, right? Because there's not a lot of good context Correct. for saying the F word. And it's so, a pretty clear logic. Yeah, there. and so it's, a, it's an easy extrapolation. And so what gets me in kind of this zone or this area of conversation really centers around the idea of a simple, like, opening up, pointing to it, closing. It's like, and you wipe your hands of it, and you're like, okay, good. Like, the whole issue is settled, and we're all done here. And so when we see that it's missing, I think, a large part of the context that Scripture is trying to establish in this uh, discussion. Because what we see is not only are things contextually dependent, it's also going to be heart-dependent you know, mm. in, in the way that we use language, right? Okay. And sticking with that Luke 6 thing that you were talking about earlier, when Jesus talks about it's the things that come out of you that make you know th- something unclean, as opposed to what you put into your body. Mm-hmm. There's a huge emphasis here that really tracks well with, you know, kind of the Beatitudes and making things uh, more personal into the way that we live our lives and the standards to which we hold ourselves. I think there's something to be said about the uh, the state of our heart when these words do arise, okay. right? And what I think tend to tends to be glossed over is understanding that it's like, if you said the F word twice, 
are you still a follower of Jesus? <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Like, it's probably okay, right? If you well, how many toe, times can yeah, you say Yeah, right, right. It? 70 times 7. You can say 490 F words. Uh, and so, uh, just kidding. That's forgiveness, right? That was the joke. Double. Good. Clever. Laugh. Leave a like. Good. Uh, so the idea for me in, the, in all of this is we have a propensity to be so granular in our viewpoint without examining the heart behind the context right. that I think is super important. And I think that's where it gets tricky because we can to a high degree measure context mm-hmm. and put words into their surrounding time or culture or whatever and come to conclusions about that but we can't so easily measure motivations yeah yeah that's much more difficult and that's where it gets tricky yeah of course and so on the one hand we have these commands do not let corrupt words come out of your mouth Mm -hmm. you will be accountable for these words it's what comes out of your mouth that's actually a big determinative characteristic of who you are yeah and on the other hand you have the apostle paul Mm mm-hmm uh, laying down the foundations of the gospel using metaphors like that would be the equivalent to like the S word, mm-hmm. right? Saying this is what we are mm-hmm. in comparison to knowing God or before we were redeemed yeah. from. Okay, so which one is it, right? right. Um, so some things that are particularly interesting to me are the evolution of words. Yep. And so what might be bad today or maybe vice versa, what is not bad today, what's acceptable mm-hmm. today to say would have been horrific to say 50 years ago, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, and, a small word like that would be crap, Okay, right? Something that we would never, I can say, I remember the first time I preached and said the word crap from the pulpit. Uh, this was probably 2009. Okay. And my dad pulled me aside and he was like, dude, you can't do that. You can't use that kind of language up there. And I'm just thinking like, nobody under 50 thinks that that's a big deal old man like i don't you know i don't know what you're talking about there yeah uh and now i think as i get a little bit older i probably wouldn't say crap from the pulpit anymore but for different reasons yeah yeah uh because i don't want to you know do any kind of hindrance stuff. but not because the word in and of itself is problematic right and i think that's important i mean that's that's crazy because on i i would agree and i would say i don't know anybody except maybe like my parents or people my parents age who think that's a problematic word. Right. And so, okay, so now you come to a fork in the road where it's not a bad word for me, but it's a bad word for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So does that automatically trivialize it? Well, I think it's just a problem boomers need to get over in general. But no, 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 just kidding. I I think it's a conversation that centers around Romans 14, right? We get into the conversation of like what may be considered the weaker brother or sister. And I think this is probably where you see that really nice dovetail where Paul can use a word that is so offensive, both to ancient ears and modern ones, uh, while talking about what life was like before knowing Christ, uh, and still have Jesus being able to say what comes out of you, you know, as a reflection of your heart. There, this idea that I think it's foolish to just use words in any context without really giving any attention paid to the setting that you're in, right? Okay. So if, for me, you know, working with students, I'm not going to, ever drop a word that could be problematic for them because I think it's really important to represent myself well of course. there. Yeah. Now, if I'm doing something with my wife and we're talking about something, you know, and, and there's like a, you know, oftentimes she'll talk about stuff that her clients have gone through. Right. And it's just a really awful situation. And there might be a time where that's an appropriate response, you know, to mm. use something where it's like heavy loaded language because it's the only thing that really encapsulates 
the emotion of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those are two different conversations, right? Okay. Again, and it's the flippant heart in the Romans 14 kind of model of like, you don't do anything around someone that might cause them to stumble. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So the word you, you used was flippant, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of casual, um, not thoughtful yeah. use of something. I, th- I think that's big. And so on the one hand, that's about the motivation, which is hard. That's not empirical. Sure. We can't measure that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what we can measure is how do we apply some of these commands, yeah. right? And so, I mean, another thing that is interesting to me is um, would it ever be more advantageous than not, I don't know, for evangelistic purposes? To actually swear? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting uh, – I've got an example of that, right? So a few years ago, I was working with a student uh, who was really, really, really rough around the edges, right? Okay. Uh, was honestly, he was just a jerk of a kid. And a lot of that was, you know, just background issues okay. and stuff that he had gone through in his home. And we had like a really frank conversation, right? And it was like pretty heated, pretty intense about behavior and stuff that was going on. And when there was a point where I just totally lost my uh, sheen of demeanor, right? Okay. And just started talking to him normal because he was 18, right? Yeah. So he wasn't like a, he wasn't, he wasn't a like kid. 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so, so we're talking and I just was like, you can't be doing that kind of S here, right? It's just like, it's not going to fly. Like, you're welcome here. I love you, blah, 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 but you can't do that. Uh, and he pulled me aside and was just like, man, that was the first time you've ever talked direct to me. Huh. And I really appreciate that. And so I don't know if that's a good, like, prescription yeah i think you want to like line up all the time as like hey man i did it once so that means it's gonna work every time i pull it uh but in that case like being willing to cross that barrier with him showcase something that was more real and legitimate correct there so you know maybe there's probably another way that could have been done that would have showcased that just as well right like uh but in this case it worked there so you know again it's all going to be very difficult to measure like you're saying you know in in that regard yeah motivation um, and for me, it didn't come out of a good place of motivation. Like I was just, honestly, it was out of anger. Oh, I was so mad at this kid. Right. That's funny. Uh, and so, you know, again, I think ironically more, it communicated, yeah, God redeeming something <laughs> right where I kind of dropped the ball. Uh, but it worked, you know, yeah. in that situation. And so I think there's some times where you just have to be more human. And so I wonder if this yeah. can be something that moves into the conversation of Paul saying, I become all things to all people right. for the sake of winning some. And again, I feel maybe. maybe a little circle in a square a kind of, of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in, in terms of that rounding out there. But yeah, I think there is something to be said about uh, at least on the very, you know, on a very minimal level, not being so prudish about the way that you conduct yourself linguistically, that you isolate people from you, hmm. right? That you're seen as like, ah, uh, you can't say anything out of line around Hansel or Josh because they're going to get you. You're right. right. And, and so it, the, in this desire to be pure, that we become ineffectual in our relationships with people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And another thought that comes to mind is the the kind of spiritual growth or spiritual formation mm-hmm. element of language. So I think evangelicals, we tend to think of spiritual formation as a gradual progression right. of our mind, our character, our actions, which is expressed in our words. Yeah, certainly. Right? And so 
one of the things that my mom said when I was talking to her is like, well, like if our minds are being transformed and our souls are being transformed into the image of Christ, shouldn't our words be transformed too? Yeah, so it means occasional S-bombs, mom. <laughs> so I was like, well, man, that's interesting because I'm just going to go like full confession, right? I mean, I've been cussing since the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it's gotten better. Sure. Now, I came to Christ when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So... As an adult, I've learned when it would be uh, more disastrous than not. Like when you're lecturing. Right, exactly. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, or or being able to control anger and not directing words at people. Yeah, right. right like things right. like that. Um, but like, I don't know, when I'm golfing or when I'm watching the Lakers on, I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. right, in the first round of the 2021 playoffs. Like it stirs some strong emotions, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, a response to an injustice yeah. or an anger. Like again, this is not a defense. Right, right. I'm, I'm just kind of expressing my experience on this. My question is, how should we think about our language and our use of words with reference to our spiritual development? Meaning, is like, is my mom right to say, well, if like your language hasn't changed? Like we should question your spiritual growth. Sure. Uh, to what degree sure. is that that logic kind of uh, helpful? Well, I think you've already expressed a situational awareness to where your language has changed, right? And I think that's part of that transformation process. I think the measure of growth comes from when we switch the question we ask, right? Mm. Whether or not can we cuss, to whether or not, like, yes, we can. We have the freedom to do that. God will forgive us. You think so? No one's going to hell. I mean, we can. Like, <laughs> like we absolutely can. Should you? Right. And I think that's the bigger question okay. here, right? And those things are going to be situationally dependent, right? Okay. And I think any answer that kind of deviates from that is probably a little bit disingenuous or a little bit too rigid. Dishonest? I, yeah. Dishonest at worst, too rigid in my at, okay. in, in my charitable giving. Gotcha. Um so what are some situations where you think, you know what, this might be permissible? Oh, I mean, when George Floyd, when I first watched the video, okay. I was livid. Man. Yeah. It was like flipping tables livid, right? And so that was something. Uh, okay, was so huge. a response to Any uh, type an of injustice. injustice. Yeah, any type okay. of injustice is huge. Um, might merit a proportional response, maybe in the form of yeah. uh, a cuss word? The one thing I have really tried to work on is when I hit a poor golf shot to not be upset like that, right? Like that's a huge issue for me. I mean, so like that's interesting. Where does that come from, right? Like you stub the toe, right? Yeah, I mean, I get that, right? The immediate reaction. So, so what is that? What do you think? I think it's the anticipation. Is it anger? Is it? Oh, I think it's the anticipation of like being successful at something and having it go so poorly, right? It's like, I when I miss fairways the size of Texas. There, it makes me really frustrated because I spend a lot of time practicing, right? And so having uh, these expectations not being met, mm. right? And so being out of control, not having, you know, my situational awareness okay. about me, those things, right, really gotcha. hurt me there. And okay. so that would be so, a I mean, so that is a deeper conversation yeah. about self-control. I, re- I really think it is there. When, because when it's the first thing that pops out of your mouth, there to such an innocuous and unimportant thing happening, right? Yeah. Especially... And not so much just the words, but what the words represent, right? My anger, my frustration, right? right? That right. to me, I'm less concerned it's with more the words telling. themselves and the the feeling, the emotive feeling behind the words, right? That makes sense. And so, you know, if I'm like dropping a GD or saying, right, the name of God in vain or dropping like a Jesus Christ out of anger there in my own mind mm. or in my own heart when I miss a shot, it's like, that's really problematic, mm. right? Because of one, just the obvious issues that come with that. But two, the idea that like, 
there's something more that God wants to transform and do deeper in me. And there is a surrendering that I have not allowed to happen okay. at that level. That's helpful. Yeah, that's good. So we talked about a response to injustice. Sure. Okay. Are there any other situations, context that you think might be, uh, I don't know if permissible is the right word. I don't know if beneficial is the right word. Um, I think attention getters can be good sometimes. Yeah. Right. Like uh, Tony Campolo has that famous one. Uh, are you familiar with that? Mm-mm. He's like, he's talking about uh, compassion and like hunger. He's like, you know, there's going to be X amount of kids that st- go to bed and hungry tonight or they're going to die or something like that. And none of you guys give a sh- about it. And he says this in a church audience and he's like, and, and the fact that more of you are concerned with the fact that I just said the S word and not the fact that the kids are going to go it to makes bed hungry. Point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, because it's poetic. Mm, so, it, so yeah. if you're going to curse in poetry, eh, you're probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> So now what about like, uh, do you have, uh, any thoughts on like age restrictions? Like if you know, if you're 21 and younger, you shouldn't be drinking. No, uh, that, that feels so weird to me. Does it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's so, so, it's like, so if, whether you're 25 or 10, yeah. same principles, if you're going to be poetic as a 10 year old, go for it. Well, so my daughter Sophia is two. And if she says the F word right now, then she probably heard it from mom. Right. <laughs> uh, totally not me. And so it's like, we would have to talk to mom about that. And right. That's not okay. But if she's 10 and she like hurts herself the way I hurt myself, I would have the same response. My mom did to me. It's like, look, I'm not going to get, there's no point in getting mad at you, but you got to pick better language. Interesting. Than that, you know? All right. So it would be a soft, like, come on. It wouldn't be a hard rebuke. Yeah. What about taking the Lord's name in vain? And how does that relate to the conversation on bad words or cussing? Yeah. This is one I'm a little bit wonky on, right? Because, I don't think it's always just so clear cut of saying like, oh my God, is OMG. An yeah, is an equivalent of taking God's name in vain. Okay, right? so think, say more about that. I think there's a heart issue behind that, right, with the other things like we've discussed. To me, it's important when you're talking about the idea of, again, I think flippant maybe plays a role in that kind of thing, but I'm not entirely sure uh, like that's in line with necessarily like what the first commandment is talking about, right, When in terms of the Ten Commandments that Moses gets. Okay. So I'm, I'm always a little bit, Weary. I personally try to stay away from it, right? Just yeah. Try and say dang it or something like that instead. Uh, but I don't know that it's always like the be all end all. Interesting. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that taking the Lord's name in vain isn't exclusive to r- just inserting God's name into a phrase Correct. without with mindlessly. Correct. Interesting. So I mean, a thought I would have on that is maybe to substantiate that a little bit. It seems to me that in the Old Testament, taking the Lord's name is always um, an intentional understanding of his character, yeah. right? What he does, who he is yeah. for you as the covenant keeper, right? So how do the Israelites take the Lord's name in vain? Well, they break the oath. Yeah. Well, they try to view God as they view their idols right, right. and manipulate him. Right. And it, it's it's a actually very intentional thing you do. Right. So mindlessly being in the playground like the kids are saying like, oh my God, look at that rock or any other kind of substitute that we would insert might not be a one-to-one correlation to that. So are you saying that we should be agnostic about those kind of mindless insertions? I still think it's worth never being mindless about anything when we call God's name into anything. I think it's worth having that conversation of figuring out a different phrase to insert because if it's just a phrase to you and it doesn't carry any significance, right? then you can easily just swap it out for a Correct. different phrase. And you, and as a Christian, then you're just misunderstanding God's name. Yeah. Yeah. Wholesale I, anyway. Well, and it's, you know, I mean, it's a really, to call upon God's name is a really, it's the most powerful thing that we've Correct. in as followers Correct. of Jesus. And so, 
again, to move away from anything that's flippant, I think is probably a better direction to go right. in our spiritual development. So it might be inappropriate, but for a different reason. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And then what about this? We talked a little bit about a proportional response that might be appropriate for injustice. Mm-hmm. Is it ever okay to call somebody, like direct a, um, I guess, an insult or a bad word at somebody? Would that be okay? Yeah. Especially in the context of that, that Matthew 5 passage, yeah, right, where right. Jesus is taking the law and he's saying, no, it's not only don't cheat on your wife, but it's don't even look at yeah, a woman with yeah, lust. Yeah, the intensification, right? Right. Intensifying. Intensification is not a word. Uh, yeah, so that intensifying thing. And so that Matthew 5, I think it's 522, talks the idea about calling your brother a fool. Right. right? And that's equivalent to? Yeah, murder. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, but again, like we've discussed, all of that comes from a place of the hatred. So it's not so much the word itself that's important, right? Because the Hebrew word or the Arabic word raka there just means like empty-headed. And so the idea, you know, to call somebody empty-headed, if I call you that, and I, but I have a deep hatred towards you in my heart when I call you that, that's the thing that Jesus is concerned with, right? Okay. And so, uh, you know, I don't know very many contexts that aren't joking where somebody's coming at me with some type of energy like that, and I'm not going to come back at them if I say something insulting. Like, I mean, I think it's problematic. Yeah, you know, at the very least. Okay. There. I don't. Uh, I don't think you're going to be condemned eternally for it. Uh, but maybe if you let that consume you, mm. right, and that kind of keeps a permanent block between you and the Lord. Maybe that's something. Yeah. Uh, but insofar as like. Uh, you're a fool. Like, oh, boom! Automatically going to hell. See you later. Like, nah. I don't. I, I think that's a little bit of a misread. In terms of what the intention of the, the text is saying, and gotcha. entirely. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Good thoughts. Well, I'm really, really curious to see what our viewers are gonna think of maybe things we missed on yeah, this. Yeah. Are, are we kind of being too nonchalant about it? Um, what do you guys think? Leave us a comment. Make sure to check us out on the app, the Juice app as well, on any device where you see your podcasts or shows. We want to know what you guys think. Uh, what And maybe what would your parents respond to some of this too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We want to hear some of that. Make sure you catch us and tune in next time on Kingdom Thinking. And you guys have a good one.